Hey everyone, on today's show, this is part one of a two-part series where I'm going to discuss a topic that came in as a question from one of our listeners who asked, Natalie, what are the skills needed to work as an investigator in HR or employee relations? Great question. So this is a great topic for those of you considering navigating your career into an investigative role in HR or employee relations. Welcome to the HR Investigations Podcast, exploring the issues, challenges, strategies, and solutions. Sponsored by RPCHR and hosted by Natalie Ivey, an HR consultant, licensed PI, and author of the best-selling book, How to Conduct Internal Investigations, a Practical Guide for Human Resource Professionals. And now, here's Natalie. Hey, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I'm really happy to get into a topic that is near and dear to my heart, which is the skills needed to work as an investigator. Uh, We had uh, several questions come in from listeners, but one was very specific in saying, I really am interested in this as a career field, Natalie, and I've been in HR as a generalist for a number of years, but uh, I'm really kind of thinking I might want to go into employee relations, but what's really kind of involved in that? For starters, let's um, really get clear on the distinction between HR investigations and employee relations, because it also can really vary from one organization to the other, right? First of all, HR investigations, sometimes they're called investigations, but they're really kind of dealing with just employee drama. So it could be that all you're really getting involved in is just disputes between employees and their managers, and uh, you're told to, quote, investigate. But it, it really is not what I refer to as a formal investigation. That's a little bit more of conflict management, mediating uh, things and so on. But then you may not get involved in anything that is more formal allegations such as sexual harassment or discrimination, conflict of interest cases. You may have a different group in your organization that would handle that, often called employee relations. Sometimes those uh, cases like conflict of interest may be an ethics or compliance group and so on. When we're dealing with employee relations investigations, I will tell you that generally speaking, employee relations team members are responsible for handling things of a more serious nature, which means that they're going to handle allegations of harassment, discrimination, retaliation, possibly safety. Now, in some organizations, something that could be like an allegation of workplace violence or uh, let's say unsafe work practices, you may even have a safety or security team uh, that would handle that again, larger organizations. But in this particular podcast, and this is part one, where I'm going to be talking about specifically some skills around conflict management. And also, I'm going to talk a little bit about note-taking and keyboarding. And I'm going to get into some of the nuts and bolts of what are some of the things that you really need to know if you're considering going into this space, just to make sure that you're going to be making a really great career move. Okay? The first thing I'd like to do is to share with you some bullet points from job postings that are out there advertising for investigators, just to give you an idea of what organizations tend to put out there, uh, whether it's Indeed or or other places that they post uh, a job opening. All right, the first posting, uh, it's very brief, and the employer states they want three to five years of relevant employee relations experience focused on workplace investigations, comfortable working with any level of employee able to maintain confidentiality, excellent verbal and written communication skills, such as note-taking and record-keeping, detail-oriented and able to complete tasks timely and accurately. Okay. Yes, detail-oriented, time management, verbal and written communication, certainly all of that's important, but 
This posting really doesn't explain the kinds of cases that are going to be worked. The typical caseload says nothing about the need to understand U.S. law. That's a huge red flag for me in that one. In my opinion, this is an employer that's setting a professional trap, if you will. I think they'd be setting up a professional for failure. The inclination I have is that this is a job where there's a lot more than meets the eye. They will probably hire someone who really isn't a fit for the work, uh, and it's probably one where this investigator will have very few resources, maybe a seriously high case volume. Now, conversely, let's have a look at another posting. Um, so this one, I'm going to extract a few highlights. Uh, number one is knowledge of legal discovery type of software, such as relativity or a case management or case tracking software like an HR Acuity or iSight, something like that. Uh, knowledge and application of U.S. employment laws and regulations, ability to research and interpret federal and state employment laws, ability to write in a clear, concise manner investigative reports, expertise in analyzing, organizing, and preserving evidence, uh, ability to balance uh, multiple sophisticated investigations concurrently, emotional intelligence, ability to confront those involved about difficult information and findings, excellent communication, analytical influencing, and writing skills, ability to work a flexible schedule, including evenings, weekends, and holidays. All right, so in the last posting, you see the difference. The second one, the employer gets much more detailed regarding the competencies they're looking for. So let me break this down to help you recognize the reality of managing day-to-day. -day. All right, for starters, the second posting uh, did mention confront those involved in the investigative process. Let me use my decoder ring for you to help you understand what that means, dealing with conflict and a lot of it. Now, if you're someone who really shies away from conflict and you get very anxious, you generally try to avoid it, um, maybe if there's a little bit of discord in a staff meeting where some are perhaps disagreeing rather vigorously and, and you just kind of shut down when there's that level of tension, I'm just going to be very candid with you. You are going to struggle in this type of job. Well, why do I say that? Well, investigative work in HR, employee relations, or even if you're an ethics and in compliance professional or other compliance areas, it involves gathering various forms of evidence. And what we're doing is gathering evidence to determine if an employee engaged in misconduct, right? Internal investigations, okay? So now this often results in substantiating what happened, right? So you have an allegation that comes in that someone is engaged in, let's say, harassing behavior, and then you're going to be asking questions around that, right? That means you're going to ask some sometimes really uncomfortable questions. You're going to have to ask really probing, serious questions, especially when you're working with the person who is accused of wrongdoing. Let me tell you, they are not always going to like your questions, and they may become very defensive and, and argumentative. And you really need to recognize that if you're not naturally someone who can handle that and in any sign of, of tension, you do tend to kind of shot down, get shot down or uh, you kind of, you know, are sort of a turtle that tucks its head back into a shell, right? That should be a warning flag for you. Your natural tendency is to not engage. That's a big problem. And the reason is that that may cause you to really back away from asking the real serious probing questions. And what will happen is you will be one of those investigators where you will have a whole lot of inconclusive cases, a lot more he said, she said, because you're not really going there. You're not engaging at the level that you need to be. And you may want to consider if this is what, uh, what I just described is, is really describing you, then you might want to consider 
more of an analyst type of role, a support staff type of role um, in this, or just a different type of investigative role. Like uh, working in this space doesn't mean you're always the one in the room, one-on-one with an interviewee or whether it's virtually. Uh, There are a lot of positions that require subject matter experts. So if you are someone who has had maybe extensive experience in your industry, you have a great deal of technical knowledge, you may be better suited for more of what I call a behind the scenes role. Uh, As an example, there are forensic IT positions. There are forensic accounting positions where you are an investigator, but you're really the one who's crunching the data. You're working with systems. You're looking for patterns and trends and anomalies in data, uh, such as looking for fraud patterns, right? Things like that. Now, I've known many talented investigators in my career who are more introverted individuals. And when they're in the middle of it, they're laser focused. When they have somebody in the room with them or on a virtual call that they're investigating, such as a subject, they have the ability to really be assertive when it is necessary. And they also can maintain composure and not allow themselves to be emotionally compromised, which is also a very important skill. You can't lose your cool, right? First critical skill that's absolutely necessary in this job is you've got to be good at conflict management. So if you need some help with this or you want to learn more and you need to work on your development and skills in this area, sure, just reach out to me. I teach a lot of classes around this space, so just email me. My email is natalie at hr-investigations.com, right? So, and that's investigations, plural, okay? So along with conflict management, the other thing that you need as a skill is being able to demonstrate assertiveness, right? So this is especially important when you're presenting investigative findings, all right? So what does that mean? That means that you've already done all of the legwork in gathering evidence, that may be physical, digital evidence, documentary evidence, and testimonial evidence and gathering statements from witnesses. Well, when you get together and talk with leaders, sometimes those in senior leadership positions, sometimes they are not happy with your findings because, well, sometimes findings can, shall we say, be politically inconvenient. In other words, you may have, let's say, a key member of the sales team who is a real rainmaker for the organization, but violated the company's harassment policy, right? Or maybe a conflict of interest. And your policy and your past practice will really dictate the action step here is termination. But leaders are really, really going to push back and they're going to push back hard. So um, understand that your role is to defend those investigative findings. And sometimes those are very, very tension filled conversations. Um, And sometimes you are going to be at a level, uh, let's say, of an investigator at maybe a managerial or director level. But you might be dealing with people that are up the org chart from you, like vice presidents, SVPs. And you've got to be able to stand your ground. And that sometimes is very, very uncomfortable. So if you are not comfortable being able to challenge those uh, above the chain of command, then that's another thing for you to really think about because this job often will require uh, collaborating with those types of individuals, especially with findings. So the next skill that an investigator really needs to have is keyboarding skills. And specifically what I'm talking about is taking detailed notes when you're conducting interviews. All right, so why do I say you need good keyboarding skills? And what I'm talking about is is being able to type quickly, right, and accurately. Look, if you're still taking handwritten notes, and if that really works for you, and and you've done a great job with it, and you're productive with it, okay, then I would tell you you are the exception rather than the rule. But if you're still taking handwritten notes, and then you're having to take those notes and transcribe them into witness summaries or what is often called a document of conversation. 
I can tell you that you're not working really as efficiently as you could be. And um, if you're in a smaller organization and you only have a handful of these cases a year, all right, that might work for you. But let me tell you the reality. If you are moving on in your career and you're thinking about that next step and you're going to get on with like a medium or a larger, and especially some of the like large global organizations I work with, you're going to be challenged if you're in a real solid ER role, you're going to probably work eight to 10 cases at a time. Right, So I want you to think about that. If you're still taking handwritten notes and then you have to try to go and transcribe and then you also really never had any experience with typing and you kind of do the hunt peck sort of thing, then you are really, really going to set yourself up for failure. Because if you're going to work eight to 10 cases at a time and some of the cases are going to be rather complex, you're going to have to do a lot of work virtually. And that means you're really, really having to engage your, your listening capability and be able to listen, analyze, and process, and and be able to take those notes and then synthesize those notes into summaries. Okay, um, your work-life balance will be non-existent. If you move on from, let's say, small organization where you've only had, let's say, two or three investigations a year, and you've been doing the legal pad kind of notes, and then you just sort of type things up, when you move into a medium to large organization in an ER role, that's like going from the the single A in baseball and you're going to the majors in one big leap. You've got to really assure that your skill set is going to be solid um, because you may even be challenged uh, during the investigative uh, inter- or the in- interviewing process to m- do like a mock investigative interview and they may challenge you on how well you can take your notes. And if you are someone who really does not keyboard very quickly and has a hard time keeping up, then you're not going to get the job, okay? And so for the senior folks that are uh, listening to this podcast, this is also something I strongly recommend from a vetting standpoint. If you are considering uh, internal moves, someone who is, let's say, an HR gen or they're uh, an HR specialist or an HR business partner, and they're wanting to make the leap uh, up into employee relations, I would definitely do some screening on exactly that. Pretend that you are a complainant making an allegation, maybe use a typical thing in the organization, and then make sure that you've taken good notes on exactly what you you shared in uh, you know a practice kind of an interview, and let them do a complainant intake interview, and then see how accurate they are, how quickly can they synthesize it into a summary. If you put someone on the spot and they cannot really do that, then that tells you right there that they are going to struggle with their efficiency in the job, right? In my next podcast, uh, I'm going to be really talking about critical thinking, analytical skills, and organization and time management skills, uh, because those are also equally as important. And quite frankly, the critical thinking and the uh, analytical ability, especially when it comes to synthesizing the information you learn about behaviors that employees have demonstrated, you have to be able to figure out how to correlate that to your policies to really assess whether or not there's been misconduct. And that is probably the biggest area of weakness uh, that I hear from executives that I talk with who are in HR and especially in employee relations. If you're seriously interested in improving your skills and you need some more training in that, you know where to find me. Just email me, natalie at hr-investigations.com. And also, if you want to learn more about how to improve your note-taking and your typing skills, just email me and then I will give you some resources where that can help you out. All right, so that's it for today's show and stay tuned for part two on the skills you need to be a really great investigator. I will see you next time. Have a great one. 
Thanks for joining us today on the HR Investigations Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share the show with any colleagues who will benefit from our strategies and solutions. For free bonus resources, simply visit hr-investigations.com. And remember, if you'd like some help with improving your investigative skills, or if your organization is in need of an external investigator to help with the case, please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.